You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. It is 8.04 a.m. and we are excited about what's going to be continuing in this segment, of course, with our breakfast show. Take it away, Lawson, please, with our next quiz question. Yeah, here we go. Next quiz question. Fill in the blank from Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of blank and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. I feel mm. like we've had this question recently, so you, maybe not. Maybe you know no, it, we had a similar it, it one all, to them. It, no, all, no. it all fades. It all fades. But <laughs> hey, guys, listen. Like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of blank, and the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. If you know the answer to that one, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to text. And if you text in the correct answer to that number, you'll go in the draw to win our amazing prize for this week: the awesome porcelain jar that we're giving away. It's gratefulness jar. It comes with these cool gratefulness cards, but it's also just an awesome piece of decor that we want to give you that you could furnish your house with and. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and also to remind you to be grateful to God for what He has done. Again, fill in the blank. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of blank, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Absolutely. So text us in your answer on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. We're saying earlier today that Val may could get be the first one to get a clean sweep this week. She messaged in saying, "Unfortunately, I have to go to work now. I'll cook for the homeless, so can't listen anymore." Wow. How great is that? That she's she's doing such fabulous work, uh, Val May. If you're listening back, or if you're still driving and you're hearing us, we want to wish you all the best. Great stuff mm. that you're actually doing. Um, yeah, un- unfortunately, it may mean that you're not going to get a clean sweep, but you know, keep texting in your answers because Valma, you're doing exceptionally well, and so many others are texting in. We see our our, our screen here just jumping constantly, and it's just really great to hear from all of our listeners. Mm. Hey, earlier this morning when we actually opened the show, we talked about Sound of Freedom, the movie. Yes. The incredible story of a young boy being res- rescued from child traffickers and the federal agent learns about the boy's sister as well being captive um, and actually go deep into the Colombian jum- jungle as well, which is really mm. quite amazing. So it's actually uh, based on, um, you know, just some of the things that are, are happening. I just remember they also had footage of some of the actual people that had been caught in real mm. life as well. But um, we just want to make mention of we did find who it was that we actually interviewed it was Paul Murgard from Destiny Rescue. Yeah. Um, and, of course, a Destiny Rescue in Australia, and it is a worldwide um, agency, Destiny Rescue even here in Australia, of course, are also dedicated to rescuing children from child exploitation and exist to actually try to end child trafficking. I remember when we actually did that interview as well, it was really quite interesting, you know, when we asked Paul, you know, is that a common thing also in Australia? And he said it is It is. It is around. It's not like, you know, it's not here in Australia. It is. Um, but mm. they're doing an incredible work, worldwide work with Destiny Rescue. We just want to uh, let you know ahead that on the 24th of November, that's the 24th of November, we'll be interviewing Paul once again. So be listening in on that time you might want to put into your diary onto your phone just to remind you but and if you haven't seen the movie sound of freedom have a look at that we watched it of course at home i think it was apple tv that you can get it on um really quite a fascinating um Mm. Very, very gut, gut wrenching, but incredibly well done, uh, movie that actually, uh, yeah, 
talks about the reality of of sex trafficking and ch- child exploitation, which is yeah. a really horrible thing that we. It, I mean, I think for me, it also one of the things it actually did is really highlighted uh, the evil that's in the world. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it also highlights the fact that we live in a period of time in which slavery and uh, these kinds of things are very prevalent and yeah. and on the increase and on the increase and the vehicle that is being used to enable that particularly here in the west is unfortunately yeah through the through you know the sex trade and it's like again like it's god has so much sympathy and so much love for the people who are going Absolutely. through such awful uh, su- such an awful circumstance and situation and and what we know is that ultimately in the, in the end god will bring all to justice but it's fantastic that we can see people working to to enable firstly like the better life of the victims and and the safety and the freedom mm. of the victims but furthermore um uh, yeah to to see justice in some capacity happen to the perpetrators mm. right now like it's, it's it's fantastic to know that that that's taking place and and that uh, and the, yeah we we can we can we're not just left with with a you know with an unsettled feeling of wow like you know people are just able to get away with doing the most evil heinous things again we know and and it would be you know David and Solomon and whatnot who would reflect on this a lot in the Proverbs and in the Psalms where where they would say oh you know it's and even you read the Psalm of Asaph you know in mm. in the in the Bible where it's like you know I just see evil mm. winning mm. all the time mm. evil is winning and just injustice is winning and and what is going to come of this and then he says oh but I looked in the sanctuary oh Lord, Lord and I saw their end and and I mm. saw your ways and ultimately you know what Asaph comes to understand is like oh there there is an ultimate plan to completely deal with evil mm. Mm. but it's great to see steps being taken here and now um, that evil can be quelled enough that people can come out of these situations. De- definitely. And, and the heart of people that are going in and rescuing and, res- you know, um, basically risking their own lives mm. for the sake of these children to be rescued and saved. Mm. And in the case of the, the, the story that, you know, Sound of Freedom is actually based on, it's a gentleman who's actually got, I think it was five or six children. Um, mm. So he risked his own life and family too to be doing that, but he had such a burden, um, you know, for that. But I love there's a couple of lines that really jump out. Wow. One of them says, you know, God in there, one of the guys says, um, to, to the one that actually does the rescuing, he says, God's children are not for sale. Oh. That was just like, whoa, like, mm-hmm. you know, God's children are not for sale. And the other one was when, you know, when God calls you to go, you just go. Mm. You just go. Mm. And I just think the heart of these people is just beautiful, that God's just put this heart into people to actually go, to be selfless, to put themselves aside and to say, these people are not deserving and God has called me to go and save them, mm. to go and save them. But, you know, that yeah. line, God's children are not for sale, that was just like wow that just like a real punch into the heart right mm. there when that that line was actually said it was you know quite teary in that in that particular moment yeah i'm loving the theme of of saving and of yes. rescuing that you're bringing out because it very much reflects a passage of the Bible that we're going to be talking about today absolutely in genesis chapter 14 and Abraham's interaction with, well, the, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, the leaders of there, and the rescuing mm. of his nephew, of course. Yesterday, we talked about how Abraham interceded 
on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah was was pleading with God uh, that, yeah. that again in this investigative judgment took place in which they were looking towards Sodom and Gomorrah and they were just you know God and and Abraham having this con- conversation and reasoning through whether the city should be saved and we see here the reason that uh, that both and, and this is very key the reason that Abraham and God would want Sodom and Gomorrah to to actually you know experience some level of mercy and salvation and whatnot is because God has already used Abraham to enable um, the saving and the salvation yes. of Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's what we find in Genesis chapter fourteen. Absolutely, in Genesis chapter fourteen. So, giving an overview to that link with Genesis, you know, eighteen was where, and we're going to come back to this particular passage as you've just referred to, but where Abraham is actually asking God, you know, if there's fifty that are righteous, will they be saved? Yeah. You know, if there's forty five, and it keeps going down right to down to ten. So, let's let's read from chapter thirteen to give some of that background. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go into chapter thirteen first, maybe looking yeah. at verse nine to eighteen. That will give us some of that background and then we're going to go into chapter 14 as well looking down to to verse 17 so and i know it's a bit a bit of a chunk to read but it will give that really good background sure in verse 9 it says is this not the whole land before you please separate from me take if you take the left then i will go to the right or if you go to the right then i will go to the left and now this is a conversation that abram Mm. is having with lot that you know they've they've got lots his nephew that's right there's some some beef going down there they have left ur of the chaldees together that's and well abram has been called by god like leave your country he's gone with his wife you know Mm. at this time named sarai and 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 to go to canaan and whatnot and and lot their nephew has come with them but you know these people have well they come from a wealthy background and they have continued to accumulate lots of wealth and and you know and livestock and whatnot and now as a result of that there's some, some issues going on you're listening to faith fm positively different radio and Abram, interestingly, ultimately decides to concede to, to Lot because mm. it's like, okay, there's this tension. Obviously, you know, our stuff is too overwhelming and our servants mm. are fighting and all these kind mm. of things. So I was like, we need to, we need to find, you know, we need to have a, a separation here. You know, we, it, this town's not big enough for the both of us type deal. Mm. And so they, they separate here and, and Abraham concedes and allows Lot to go into the, the glistening plains of, mm. of, of, uh, of the valley there. Mm-hmm. Where Sodom and Gomorrah is. And instead of Abraham, he goes into the, the high country mm. and he, he pitches his tent there. And God actually, you know, affirms Abraham as a result of making this kind of selfless decision to enable, you know, to allow Lot to to have preference. Uh, The Lord says to Abraham in verse 14 of Genesis chapter 13, he says, Lift your eyes and look now from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all this land which you see I will give to you and your descendants forever, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if a man could number the dust of the earth then your descendants also could be numbered arise walk in the land th- uh, through its length and its width for i give it to you abraham moved his tent and dwelt by the terebinth trees in mamre which are in hebron and built an altar there to the lord okay that's really interesting let's pause right there before we keep going because there's so much more to keep reading isn't there mm. 
Right there, that very last verse, you mentioned it mentions there in, in, in God's word that, that Abram actually built an altar there mm-hmm. to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not the first time that Abram's actually built an altar, is it? No. He, he's actually built it several times before. In fact, we actually see it back in chapter 12 mm-hmm. um, when he's actually left, left Ur and then he passes through the land of Shechem as for the... Uh, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah, Mora, and the Canaanites were there in the land. And in verse 7 it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram, and to your descendants I'll give you this land. And there he built an altar. That's the first time we see Abram building an altar. Mm. Then we actually see it further in, uh, earlier in chapter 13. Um, in verse 4 it says, Also they placed an altar that he had made. He came back to the place in Bethel. We had actually made the altar. He comes back there. And again now, in, as you've just read in verse mm. 18, an altar is made. Now all that was the significance of the altar yeah well, ultimately like the altar would be a place in which sacrifice would take place yeah. and and worship of god would take place and eventually like the the whole concept of altar would turn into the sanctuary in which god would dwell with people and it was at the presence of the altar in which god would you know unite with humanity at, at this time and and have some level of connection with him and essentially what what Abraham is doing by building these altars is, well, he's creating, firstly, a token of memory, right? You Absolutely. Know, of, of like, oh, this is where God has worked. This is what he's done. Uh, but he's also using it to incite the worship of the Lord because he understands, like, the reason I'm having wins or victories or, you know, that I'm protected or whatever it may be, it's been enabled by the Lord. Absolutely. And I love that, that what you're saying with that, because that's exactly how Abraham was, wasn't he? He was just a worshiper, true worshiper of God, wasn't mm. he? Of the true God of heaven. Mm-hmm. And he was also, you know, a man of prayer in every sort of way, mm. because that's where the altar is, you know, the place of prayer as well as sacrifice and prayer. And so here he was he was following God's ways whereas we find that you know Lot had wanted his he was the one that chose his own selfless ways in mm. the area and in verse 13 of uh, of chapter 13 it says but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord yep. so the area that he'd had was already there you know Sodom and Gomorrah were were, were very sinful and wicked right there we actually see that yeah. but then what happens of course is Lot gets court doesn't it yeah. i mean there's this battle that goes on do you want to read that in chapter 14 yeah right down to 17 to give us that Oof. background all right it is so like chapter 14 starting in verse 1 the bible says it came to pass in the days of amraphel king of shina arioch king of elisa elasa chetalomar the king of elam and title the king of nations that they made war with bera the king of sodom bersha the king of gomorrah Shinab, the king of Admar, and Shemabur, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor. All these joined together in the valley of Sidon, that is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served Chedalomar, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. So, some a bit of bit of context here. Uh, you have these group of kings that have come from well. The, the most prominent of, prominent of which is Chedalomar of Elam. He yep. is the king of the Elamite Empire, which is one of the great nations that existed at the time. And there has been an alliance that has been formed between Chedalomar and, 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 a, and a few of these other very powerful kings to then enter into a Susan Vassal you know, covenant relationship with these kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and whatnot, who were very much 
occupying territory that was weaker than than Chetum Lomar. So, like, Chetum Lomar's rocked up. They've invaded yeah. the land. They've said, hey, you guys now serve us. You pay tax to us. You pay tribute to us. And these kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and whatnot, they're like, okay, well, we have to do that. And they do so for 12 years until they break their you know, their, their treaty, their covenant, and they rebel and they say, ah, we're, we're not going to pay tribute anymore. We're not going to, to continue this agreement. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Siddam is also, you know, it says there that is the salt sea. So known these days, um, as the Dead Sea. And so it's around that kind of, around that area. So, um, and also Canaan's involved, suggesting in some ways, you know, that there's this battle over, um, mm. uh, sovereignty even of God, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, and verse four, we continue. Yeah. Well, it, it picks up from there and it essentially explains that after Chetalomai hears that, oh, these guys have rebelled and yeah. they're not, um, they're not going to pay you tribute anymore. He circles back, you know, after he's, he, he's warring in, in the country, the Malachites and whatnot. He, he circles back and he, he arrives to then fight, um, the kings of, you know, pick it up in verse eight. It says, and the yeah. king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela went out and joined together in battle in the valley of Sidim against Chedalomar, king of Elam, mm. and, you know, the king of Tidal, a uh, title, the king of nations, uh, Amphrel, the king of Shina, and Arioch, the king of Elisa, the four kings against five. Now, in the valley of Sidim was full of Ashta, uh, asphalt pits. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all the provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods and departed. So, you know, Chedalomar and whatnot, they've circled back. They've showed up to fight these guys. They've absolutely destroyed them. You know, they've, they've, they've completely routed them. They've caused them to flee. And as a result, you know, and they've, they've plundered heavily from this they've mm. taken all of their resources all the all of their stuff and they've ended up taking a lot as well mm. and the kings of sodom and gomorrah have actually fled and yeah so they're alive yeah 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 they're alive but they've fled with their lives they've been convincingly yeah. defeated which is something that often happened in the ancient world you know and, and it's it's just the case that the the smaller country would rebel and say oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna you know we're not gonna pay tribute anymore and the the, the large country would just rock up and say oh well in that case you know, get wrecked. Mm. Like, just go and destroy them. Mm. Uh, it continues on, though, in verse 13. It says, Then one who had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, um, the Amorite, uh, brother of Eshkol and brother of Abna, a- and they were allies with Abram. Now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went to pursue them as far as Dan. Mm. And he divided his force against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus, and he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as women as well as the women and the people as well. Mm. Now this is like an incredible Isn't feat it? of of military yeah. 
might and prowess. And it's something that we, we've, we've talked about here on Faith of Him as well, going through the book of Genesis. And I remember particularly Lyle highlighting some of the, the, the epic battle strategies and whatnot that were taking place here. And, and the fact that, you know, Abraham, he, he takes his small company by night to divide, you know, you know, this moving, this slow moving army of Chetaloma. Because again, Chetaloma wielded an army that was very serious. We're talking mm. tens of mm. thousands of people. Mm. Versus a couple hundred trained servants, not even not even soldiers, just yeah. trained servants. But what we can ultimately see here, you know, we can we can d- divide, we can speculate over the military tactics. But God was working with them and able to, In to win way. this incredible victory. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Lawson, what is our last quiz question for today, please? Hey, it's this. What woman was Jacob tricked into marrying by de- his devious uncle Laban? Ah, that's an interesting what, what story. Woman hey. was it? Man, and 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 it didn't, it, and it just didn't stop after that. You no. know, he got, he got stitched up with one marriage, and then he just continued to have continue to work to, hard. Well, continued to work hard, but just continued to get married, which also did not, I I think, serve him well. But hey, <laughs> if you know if you know the answer to that one zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Not that marriage isn't a fantastic thing, uh, but I think getting married four times if, while simultaneously being still married is, is probably a, uh, a, 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 well, we can observe in the life of Jacob was a very difficult thing. That's it. <laughs> Again, what Absolutely. woman was Jacob tricked into marrying by his devious uncle Laban? 0491 That is the number to text. And if you text that number with the correct answer, you're going to the draw to win our prize for this week, which is an awesome porcelain jar that is all about gratefulness. Got a beautiful graphic on the outside. It's like white and brown as well very very natural colors it'll make tie into basically any room unless the the paint scheme for your house is like fluoro pink and green or something like that which i imagine that it's not because i i wholeheartedly believe that the faith of fem listeners have taste and this <laughs> this jar is very very much down the you know in, in the realm of good taste we want to give it to you for free you could win it in the drawer and all you have to do to get in the drawer is answer questions correctly and text those those answers to 0491-064-669. That's it. And we've been actually looking at Genesis chapter 13 yes. and particularly chapter 14, trying to look at some of that background as the reason why in chapter 18 that we're coming back to, um, Abraham is, we see him interceding on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. as in to God. He's asking mm. the Lord. He's saying to the Lord, you know, if 50 are righteous, will you save Sodom and Gomorrah? If, and the Lord says yes. Mm-hmm. And then Abraham says, like, if there's five less, you know, 45, and it keeps going down. And so we're giving the background now in chapter mm-hmm. 13 and 14 as to why also Abraham's got this incredible love for Sodom and Gomorrah because the king of Sodom here, in this case, with the wars that we've just read, of course, he is um, alive, you know, and yep. he, he has actually survived the battle. Um, and yeah, so we just keep on unpacking it there. So we've just finished off in chapter 14, verse 14, 15, 16, where Abram actually mm. heard that his brother was taken captive. He armed the 318 
trained servants who were both born in the house. He divided the forces against them and he pursued them um, and he brought them back their goods and also brought Lot back. So can we take him up from chapter verse 17? Yeah, it says, The king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Chedaloma and the kings who were with him. I think what's particularly interesting about this situation is that previous to, and, and this is really, really key, previous to Abraham being led by God to this incredibly mil- incredible military incredible success, military success. Uh, to, to defeat Chedaloma, to save not only Lot, but the women and the children and the captives from Sodom and Gomorrah and to bring back all their stuff. The Bible has already identified them as an incredibly wicked and evil place. Yeah. Like, the Bible says very clearly, it's like, this place, it's wicked, it's evil, it's against God. Yet, God then enabled Abraham to go and to save these people. And we're going to see this very interesting interaction between Abraham and and the king of Sodom. And it's, it's just very key to note. You know, when, when people look at the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and the destruction of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah and try to levy an accusation against God that is to say that, oh, God is unjust and he destroys people and, and whatnot. We have to understand that God had given Sodom and Gomorrah a place that was just totally wicked and corrupt and committing evil that was worthy of being destroyed. You know, and, and we. Hold- and then he'd been patient and gracious with them for a long, long, That's long a, well, this, time, this is, all the way through. This is the point. He'd been actively working to, to save these people to lead them down a better track to lead them down a better way and he and they had continually not listened and we see that uh, continually rejected him and yet Lot was in amongst them too as a witness as God's right. witness and they were still rejecting and when we pick up the story in verse 18 where the Bible says that Melchizedek the king of Salem brought out bread and wine he was the priest of God the most high he and he blessed him and said bless Abraham of God the most high possessor of heaven and earth and bless God the most high and he delivered your enemies into your hand and he that is Abraham gave him that is Melchizedek, a tithe of all, which we're not going to get into today, but very, very interesting situation that unfolds here. That mm. basically the first thing that Abraham does after winning this amazing battle is gives again, a tithe. Yeah, g- gives a tithe. Gives like, glory to God. Very much recognizes that my victory was only enabled by God. That's right. He gives a tithe here of the stuff yep. of uh, of you know th- that was plundered by the Elamites from those of Sodom and Gomorrah and whatnot. But then we pick it up in verse 21 where it says, Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, so he's gone and given this tithe to Melchizedek. Abraham has now come to the king of Sodom with his staff, returning his staff and the captives and the women and the children and the people. And the king of Sodom says to Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. Mm. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing Mm. from a thread to a sandal strap, that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, Mm. I have made Abram rich, Mm. except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who were with me, Anna, Eshkol, Mamre, let them take their portion. The point so, that Abraham is making here is is really like, and, and this, I think this is 
This is Abraham preaching the gospel Absolutely. to the king of Sodom here. And the message that he is preaching, the gospel, the good news of God and who he is and the love that he has actually for the king of Sodom and the people there is, hey, this victory that has been won has been done so wholeheartedly by the power and the providence of the Lord, so much so that you couldn't even pay me for it. Absolutely. And he's saying through that as well, he's saying that, you know, basically Abram was actually looking beyond this earth. He's saying everything of this earth is temporary. Mm. God is everlasting. God is sovereign. God is the one that deserves all glory for mm-hmm. everything. And so, you know, and he was acknowledging there, you know, the the God of Melchizedek and of everyone, yeah. basically, and the sovereignty of the God. And so here he's actually, and we see here again, that mention of the king of Sodom coming right in. And so here he's, you know, with Abram actually having that connection with God and saying God is everything. And and um, then it actually links it to chapter 18 where he's acknowledging, okay, that, you know, you love people, you want everyone to be saved. And he's actually showing his love for the king of Sodom um, and Gomorrah um, mm. when he's actually interceding then on their behalf in every way. Mm. And so the intercessory... Um, you know, Abraham interceding for so- Sodom in chapter 18 that goes from verse 23 down to 33, um, and you can read that for yourselves, is really crucial, isn't it, in every way? Yeah, well, well essentially what's happening here is, again, Abraham being the hero of the, the, the battle between himself and the Elamites, the saviour of the people of, of Sodom and Gomorrah, He's, he's just wholeheartedly, he's convinced and he's trying to communicate to them, hey, it is God that has done this, get right with him. And so, you know, you can imagine he, right. his feelings of difficulty and for God as well. Like, and, and that's the conclusion that they come to. It's like, we have spent every, we have done everything we could possibly do to save these people. And if they don't choose me, they don't choose God, well, that's it. And, and that's the reality of judgment. God has given us opportunity to choose him. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It's come time for us to give our answers to the quiz questions. Mm -hmm. Take it away, Lawson. Here we go. Tara was the father of which important leader? It was Abraham. Yeah, we've been been talking about. about All today, it was was actually Tara who, you know, this this was his dad in the country, you know, Mesopotamia and whatnot, and... It was Abraham who came out of that country, leaving his father's house behind, leaving Terah's house behind, leaving the the wealth and the comfortability of Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, uh, to go to to you know further into the land that God had promised for his people. Absolutely, and we find Terah's name, of course, at the end of chapter eleven, before we find Abram's, you know, being having the covenant of God, you yeah. know, with with God in chapter twelve. Okay, so the next one was. What two insects will, will God whistle for and they will come? Uh, this is awesome. It was, dude, wait, the answer is A, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's flies, flies and, and bees. bees. So apparently God will whistle and these two, these two animals will come. Flies and bees, again, over locusts and fleas or beetles and ants and, or caterpillars and, and canker worms. I didn't know the answer to this one before, before it came up. But that, you know, like, the imagery that comes in my mind as soon as I read that is the idea of like you've trained the flies and the bees to like, 
come at the command, like, like with a, you know, because like you whistle to a dog and it comes over, you know, like. Not every dog comes for a whistle, but yes, most do. The ones ones that have been trained, but it's like, you you know, a swarm of bees that you command by whistle. That's hilarious. That's awesome. But that, that is, hey, that is the power of God. Who was the first priest of Israel? That was Aaron. Now we also read in our Bible study about, well, the, the person being mentioned as one of the first high priests and that being Melchizedek actually the king and priest of Salem, mm. which very interesting history there. But it is, you know, post-Exodus where we see Aaron actually becoming the first high priest of the, the mosaic you know, order of the sanctuary. Fill in the, bra- in, the, in the blank, in the fill in the blank, I should say. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. When we fear the Lord, when we respect Him, when we put Him first, that is the beginning of wisdom. It's the wisest thing to do. It is the most knowledgeable thing to do. And finally, what woman was Jacob tricked into marrying by his devious uncle Laban? And the answer there is Leah. And he'd been working for seven years for Rachel and then he gets Leah. Yeah. I think, like, Jacob's story is one that is, like, he he's very much stitched up by his circumstances, situation, and by Laban and whatnot. But Jacob also doesn't make the situation easier for himself by it's like it's like the case of you really want something, but it it, it then seems that oh it's not something that I can obtain. But then instead of like admitting defeat or just being content. I think Jacob really buys, ends up buying into the idea that, oh, if I, if I can just, uh, you know, if I can just get this one thing that I desire, then, you know, then, then that's worth achieving. And, and what it leads to is ultimately he marries Leah. Then seven, like after seven years of working, he says, oh, well, I'm going to work another seven years for Rachel. Yeah. He then marries Rachel and now he has two wives. And then Rachel and Leah have, you know, beef and difficulty amongst themselves. And particularly because Rachel isn't bearing children. So then their maids get involved. And so Jacob ends up you know, marrying, having four wives mm. and kids to all of those women. And it is, and then the brother, you know, his sons being jealous about the young ones yeah. who are Rachel's kids. That's right, and it's it's such a toxic family situation. <laughs> and then I, I think, you know, in that case, where if we could comment on the story, it's like, is it a stitch up? Is it does it is it terrible that you know Jacob ended up marrying Leah, which is even even that is a bit of a sketchy situation. It's like, how do you sleep with someone that you know you, when you were supposed to marry someone? Like, it's a, how how does that happen? But the reality of the situation is like if he if he had have said okay look I'm in a in a difficult situation but if he had have followed the God's command of monogamy and if he if he had have settled there he he would have saved himself a lot of heartache and you know, his family as well a lot of heartache and turmoil but hey it all worked out in the end there were twelve sons of Jacob you know being the twelve tribes Absolutely. of Israel and yeah. through them Jesus would eventually came God used a toxic situation like that to bring forth the Messiah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. It's come time to the end of our show. We encourage you for the day to keep on listening to good old Faith FM. Today we've actually got a whole range of different programs coming through the day. This afternoon uh, we have 
Looking up, that's right. I was going there. So we've got looking up this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep on listening in. Hey, we had a text coming in too from someone saying about the, the movie Sound of Freedom that we were talking about. Wow, what a movie. So sad. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And remember to talk faith, live faith and act faith. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.